Alright, what's going on everyone? This is From Nothing to Something Else. I'm your host Josh and today I got my boy, my brother on the show, Dwight Akins, man. Thanks for being on this today, man. It's, yeah. it's awesome to get you, man. Finally. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm feeling so blessed and honored to be here. I feel like I need to just get on this level. I'm looking <laughs> up at you. Looking good with the camera set up. You look all handsome. I like that shirt. I appreciate it, man. man. I'm just trying to do what I can do when I can do what I can do. You know what I'm saying? You know, as as I said, you're my brother. So mm -hmm. if people don't know what that means, that means we go back like Cadillac on faux flats. That's my saying. That's what I like to tell people. That's how I get down. So, I mean, we, we uh, made each other on the track. Uh, what was that, like third grade, fourth grade? Fourth uh, grade. Fourth grade, man. And we've been uh, running with each other in life <laughs> since. And so, man, um, just so people understand who you are and who I'm talking to, why don't you go into just telling a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you come from, who you are, you know, just a little background. Yeah, absolutely. Proud to be here, Josh. Thank you for having me. And I mean, when I look back at this and for anybody who's listening to this right now, I mean, this this friendship, this connection is something that you you pray for, that you hope for, that as an adult, you have something so true and so real in your life. And I think it it really helps me understand my life story of understanding Josh and I's connection, you know? Like, I grew up in one of the same places, right, that you grew up. I, I you know, I grew up in Chico, in, in Chico, yeah. California, but I was born in the Bay Area. So my family met in the Bay, and my dad was from New Orleans, so he uh -huh. was, uh, you know, lived a, a very different lifestyle than even anything that we can understand. Like yeah. South New Orleans in the 60s, 70s is a really different yeah. place. And especially for somebody like him who grew up yeah. like destitute, super, super poor. And my mom was the different side. She was an Irish, like the family of an Irish immigrant. Okay. She became a nurse in the war okay. to California. And there was just a big Navy community in basically yeah. in the Bay Area. My dad was living in the Bay Area. My mom was living in the Bay Area. So they had that kind of feeling going when they met. And then they had little me. And then we moved up to Chico when I was just a little guy. Okay. So Chico was my home, like my entire, yeah. you know, like everything, all the differences, trying to understand who I was, was in the context of Chico, which is a yeah. weird dynamic in and of itself. Met up. All right. And yeah. little Dwight came along. You guys are in Chico Dwight now. Came. We're running yeah. track. We're on the sidelines. And so you being, you know, from a, a, a brother from New Orleans and then a, a mother, you know, Irish. Um, how did that mm -hmm. affect you growing up, especially here in Chico, where it's mainly farmland, cows, trees, you know, the country, you know, uh, as we would call it. <laughs> confusing yeah really confusing really really confusing right like yeah. you know you're trying to figure yourself out <laughs> i was trying to figure out what it meant to not have like the same type of family as everybody else right it was just mm -hmm. me and my mom yeah let alone figuring out i'm not the same type of person ever like what does that yeah. even mean and then understanding right. black and white men in the yeah. context of this very republican like ag old money mm -hmm old tradition community that wants to parade itself as this liberal kind of bastion you know like yeah. it wants to present itself that way because it was marketing to these mm -hmm. communities in the bay area right like they yeah. wanted to attack that but it at its core you know its foundation absolutely is a good yeah. for you and i to be like it was definitely super confusing 
who I remember growing up, and, and this was on during like football season, even track season, because like I said, we continue to run track in high school, and we'll, we'll get to, to that later point. Uh, but I remember going, you know, I'm not, I'm sure people know the town Paradise now after the campfire, but going up to Paradise, which was about 20 minutes away from Chico, and that town had very minimal black people i mean it was to the point where literally where we got off the bus and like the whole school stops students didn't know like what to do like yo how do we interact with these guys yeah couldn't get like it was like just stay on the bus we'll come and you guys know when your race is done and or race is ready yeah absolutely different night and day and the administrators that that's like the paradise, you know, basically principals are like, no, like this is basically how it is. Like you guys are yeah. probably just stay in the bus. Yeah, just stay amongst your team, in the middle of your team or on the bus. Like stay, like it, it, was, it was definitely crazy. So, and, but now, like I said, going to high school, man, I mean, you were you were a part of the kid. I mean, I did music. I performed at your mm-hmm. house parties, which were lit. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> they were tight. It, it was some good times. Uh, so you definitely were amongst, you know, the popular kids. Uh, but once again, very diverse. How did that, you know, shape you? Or, you know, how, how was that experience in high school uh, and then on your way out, you know, to college? How did that work out for you? I think that that was really important to shape who I became, like as especially like in college and how that yeah. trend, because I was able to be like exposed, I guess, to so many types of people. Go ahead. Real pause real fast. And okay. before, like I said, this when we were in high school too, like the parties were dope because this is when Chico, California was on the map, like literally yeah. on the list of party places, parties, places to go, Chico, California. Like that's the only way that people knew where this town was is because it was known for how hard they went into paint uh, every day of the week. So... Once again, now back to how that experience growing up here right. with popularity. Well, and then you have that. You yeah. have like your friends, older brothers who are maybe yeah. in college when you were in high school that you at least got that exposure to. Or when you were younger, you kind of snuck out. So you you had yeah. that always flowing. And so we yeah. had a backbone. And I think I was always attracted to it. You know, like it just seemed cool. And yeah. I liked to drink. I liked to, to do other things. It was more I liked to throw the parties. Like yeah. that Thunder. I, I would obviously get drunk, but it was throwing the party yeah. to me. It just seemed cool. Yeah. But that was it. Like I, I loved ha- having three group. I loved having friends that were like in the theater community or one, you know, or goss or like kind of in this group and jock friends. And then you and I, right? Like our group of people and all. Yeah. No, it just it it really rounded how I definitely saw how I wanted to live my life, like going on for sure. Yeah. Now, especially you know in Chico, and you know I I have my specific group of friends. You know I hung out with my boys, my brothers, my niggas, Uh, and but. Like you, I had a well diverse, you know, group of friends. I could go anywhere, hang out with anyone, welcomed by all, loved by many, hated by a few because I like to talk trash. But either way, um, I had fun as well. Uh, yeah. But, you know, being a mixed brother, uh, mm-hmm. but also Chico being so uh, minimal and, and African Americans, did you yeah. feel uh, any kind of. Um, 
difference in and because like i said you were well diverse you didn't hang out with one specific group you didn't kick it with me every day you were you know you were all over the place that's why your parties were so lit you know uh did you ever feel any kind of heat or pressure to to include the black uh, black people or or hang out with us more or party with us more or anything like that interesting question i think it was i saw it more as the the opposite of no matter where I stood, because I was a person of mixed race and there yeah. was multiple identities that like I wasn't obviously my skin tone. I'm not, a you know, no one's going to see an Irish man. Right. When I yeah, walk, no. no one was seeing that person. But also if I'm in a room of of just you and I and, and everybody else, man, I'm not the darkest person in the room either. And yeah, so nah, man. cultural connotation of that, too. And Your so yellow boy. Understand, like, it's fucking weird. It's fine. Yeah. Just like the confusion part, right? Like just individual yeah. existing, and then there's the black community that's really small. And if you're not black enough, then you're not black enough. But yeah. you're black though. Like you're yeah. in. Are you, you black enough? You, you out here singing songs. It wasn't. Uh, like I felt like, oh, I have to include them. It was like, oh, like, oh, you know, like it, that's. I think the fire was more of like, fuck, being told I can only be a part of one or the other group. So like, pissed me yeah. off. I think more and more, that's how I felt about it. I was like fueled by it. Like I wanted to be a part of everything and it was upsetting that I felt like I was like being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Now on the opposite end, you know, fitting in with, with white America. Now, was there any pressure on being in a room with them and carrying yourself in a way that doesn't negatively affect your black side? Absolutely. Right. That that is a million dollar question. And that has been a fine line that I've had to figure out high school, college, professional career. That's a really interesting dynamic. And I've always been around like like my partners have always been white. All right, what's going on, everyone? This is from nothing to something else. I'm your host, Josh. And today I got my boy, my brother on the show, Dwight Akins, man. Thanks for being on this today man it's, yeah. it's awesome to get you man finally i'm How excited to be here i'm i'm feeling so blessed and honored to be here i feel like i need to just get on this level i'm looking <laughs> up at you looking good got the camera set up you look all handsome i like that shirt i appreciate it man, man. i'm just trying to do what i can do when i can do what i can do you know what i'm saying you know as as i said you're my brother so mm-hmm. if people don't know what that means that means we go back like cadillac on faux flats that's my saying that's what i like to tell people that's how i get down so i mean we we uh made each other on the track uh what was that like third grade fourth grade fourth uh, grade fourth grade man and we've been uh running with each other in life <laughs> since and so man um just so people understand who you are and who I'm talking to, why don't you go into just telling a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you come from, who you are, you know, just a little background. Yeah, absolutely. Proud to be here, Josh. Thank you for having me. And I mean, when I look back at this and for anybody who's listening to this right now, I mean, this this friendship, this connection is something that you you pray for, that you hope for, that as an adult, you have something so true and so real in your life. And I think it it really helps me understand my life story of understanding Josh and I's connection, you know? Like, I grew up in one of the same places, right, that you grew up. I'm, I, you know, I grew up in Chico, in, in Chico, yeah. California, but I was born in the Bay Area. So my family met in the Bay, and my dad was from New Orleans. So he uh-huh. was 
you know, lived a, a very different lifestyle than even anything that we can understand. Like yeah. South New Orleans in the 60s, 70s is a really different yeah. And especially for somebody like him who grew up yeah. like destitute, super, super poor. And my mom was the different side. She was an Irish, like the family of an Irish immigrant. Okay. She became a nurse in the war okay. in California. And it was just a big Navy community in basically okay. in the Bay Area. My dad was living in the Bay Area. My mom was living in the Bay Area. So they had that kind of feeling going when they met. And then they had little me. And then we moved up to Chico when I was just a little guy. Okay. So Chico was my home, like my entire yeah. life. You know, like everything, all the differences, trying to understand who I was, was in the context of Chico, which is a yeah. weird dynamic in and of itself. Man up. All right. And yeah. a little Dwight came along. You guys are in Chico Dwight now. Came. We're running yeah. track. We're on the sidelines. And so you being, you know, from a, a, a brother from New Orleans and then a, a mother, you know, Irish. Um, how did that mm -hmm. affect you growing up, especially here in Chico, where it's mainly farmland, cows, trees, you know, the country, you know, uh, as we would call it. <laughs> confusing. Yeah. Really confusing. Really, really confusing, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're trying to figure yourself out. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what it meant to not have, like, the same type of family as everybody else, right? It was just mm -hmm. me and my mom. Yeah. Let alone figuring out I'm not the same type of person. Ever. Like, what does that yeah. even mean? And then understanding right. black and white men in the yeah. context of this very Republican, like ag, old money, mm -hmm. old tradition community that wants to parade itself as this liberal kind of bastion, you know, like yeah. it wants to present itself that way because it was marketing to these mm -hmm. communities in the Bay Area, right? Like they yeah. wanted to attack that. But it, at its core, you know, its foundation absolutely is a confusion yeah. for you and I to be. Like it was definitely super confusing. I remember growing up, and, and this was on during like football season, even track season, because like I said, we continued to run track in high school, and we'll, we'll get to, to that later point. Uh, but I remember going, you know, I'm not, I'm sure people know the town Paradise now after the campfire, but going up to Paradise, which was about 20 minutes away from Chico, and that town had very minimal black people i mean it was to the point where literally where we got off the bus and like the whole school stops students didn't know like what to do like yo how do we interact with told these us guys to get off the bus. yeah we couldn't get and, like it was like just yeah. stay on the bus we'll yeah. come and let you guys know when your race is done and or race is ready yeah absolutely different was, night and day and yo, told so from the administrators that that's like the paradise, you know, basically principals are like, no, like this is basically how it is. Like you guys are yeah. probably just stay in the bus. It's yeah, just stay amongst your team, in the middle of your team or on the bus. Like stay, like it, it, was, it was definitely crazy. So, and but now, like I said, going to high school, man, I mean, you were you were a popular kid. I mean, I did music. I performed at your mm -hmm. house parties, which were lit. I mean, you know, uh, they were tight. <laughs> it was some good times. Uh, so you definitely were amongst, you know, the popular kids. Uh, but once again, very diverse. How did that, you know, shape you? Or, you know, how, how was that experience in high school uh, and then on your way out, you know, to college? How did that work out for you? I think that that was really important to shape who I became, like as especially like in college and how that yeah. because I was able to be like exposed, I guess. To so and can, I, 
different types of people. Go ahead. Real pause real fast. And before, like I said, this when we were in high school too, like the parties were dope because this is when Chico, California was on the map. Like literally yeah. on the list of party places. Party places to go. Chico, California. Like that's the only way that people knew where this town was is because it was known for how hard they wanted to paint uh, every day of the week. So once again, now back to how that experience growing up here <laughs> with popularity. Well, and then you have that. You yeah. have like your friends, older brothers who are maybe yeah. in college when you were in high school that you at least got that exposure to. Or when you were younger, you kind of snuck out. So you you had yeah. that always flowing. And so we yeah. had a backbone. And I think I was always attracted to it. You know, like it just seemed cool. And yeah. I liked to drink. I liked to, to do other things. It was more I liked to throw the parties. Like yeah. that under I, I would obviously get drunk but it was throwing the party yeah. to me it just seemed cool yeah. but that was it like i i loved ha having three group i loved having friends that were like in the theater community or one you know or goss or like kind of in this group and jock friends and then you and i right like our group of people and all yeah. you know it just it it really rounded how i definitely saw how i wanted to live my life like going on for sure yeah now I, especially you know in chico and you know i i have my specific group of friends you know i hung out with my boys my brothers my niggas uh and but like you i had a well diverse you know group of friends i could go anywhere hang out with anyone welcome by all loved by many hated by a few because i like to talk trash but either way um i had fun as well uh yeah. but you know being a mixed brother uh, mm -hmm. but also chico being so uh minimal and and african americans did you yeah. feel uh any kind of um difference in in because like i said you were well diverse you didn't hang out with one specific group you didn't kick it with yeah. me every day you were you know yeah. you were all over the place that's why your parties were so lit you know uh did you ever feel any kind of heat or pressure to to include the black uh, black people or, or hang out with us more or party with us more or anything like that interesting question i think it was i saw it more as the the opposite of okay no matter where I stood, because I was a person of mixed race and there yeah. was multiple identities that like I wasn't obviously my skin tone. I'm not, a you know, no one's going to see an Irish man. Right. When I yeah, walk, no. no one was seeing that person. But also if I'm in a room of of just you and I and, and everybody else, man, I'm not the darkest person in the room either. And yeah, so nah, like a cultural connotation of that, too. And so yellow boy. Understand, like, it's fucking weird. It's funny, yeah. just like the confusion part, right? Like just individual yeah. existing, and then there's the black community that's really small. And if you're not black enough, then you're not black enough. But yeah. you're black though, like you're yeah. in. Are you, you black enough? You, you out here singing songs? It wasn't. Uh, like I felt like, oh, I have to include them. It was like, oh, like, oh, you know, like it, that's. I think the fire was more of like, fuck, being told I can only be a part of one or the other group. So like, pissed yeah. me off. I think more more that's how I felt about it. Like, oh. I was like fueled by it. Like I wanted to be a part of everything and it was upsetting that I felt like I was like being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, no for sure. Uh now on the opposite end, you know, fitting in with with white America. Now was there any pressure on being in a room with them and carrying yourself in a way that doesn't negatively affect your black side? absolutely right that 
that is a million dollar question. And that has been a fine line that I've had to figure out high school, college, professional yeah. career. That's a really interesting dynamic. And I've always been around like, like my partners have always been white. All right, what's going on everyone? This is from nothing to something else. I'm your host, Josh. And today I got my boy, my brother on the show, Dwight Akins, man. Thanks for being on this today, man. It's just yeah. awesome to get you, man. Finally. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm feeling so blessed and honored to be here. I feel like I need to just get on this level. I'm looking up at you. <laughs> Looking good, got the camera set up. You look all handsome. I like that shirt. I appreciate it, man. I'm just trying to do what I can do when I can do what I can do. You know what I'm saying? You know, as as I said, you're my brother. So mm -hmm. if people don't know what that means, that means we go back like Cadillac on faux flats. That's my saying. That's what I like to tell people. That's how I get down. So I mean, we we uh made each other on the track. Uh, what was that like? Third grade, fourth grade. Fourth grade. Uh, fourth grade, man. And we've been uh, running with each other in life <laughs> since. And so, man, um, just so people understand who you are and who I'm talking to, why don't you go into just telling a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you come from, who you are, you know, just a little background. Yeah, absolutely. Proud to be here, Josh. Thank you for having me. And I mean, when I look back at this and for anybody who's listening to this right now, I mean, this this friendship, this connection is something that you you pray for, that you hope for, that as an adult, you have something so true and so real in your life. And I think it, it really helps me understand my life story of understanding Josh and I's connection, you know? Like, I grew up in one of the same places, right, that you grew up. I, I you know, I grew up in Chico, in, in Chico, yeah. California, but I was born in the Bay Area. So my family met in the Bay, and my dad was from New Orleans, so he uh -huh. was, uh, you know, lived a, a very different lifestyle than even anything that we can understand. Like yeah. South New Orleans in the 60s, 70s is a really different yeah. place. And especially for somebody like him who grew up yeah. like destitute, super, super poor. And my mom was the different side. She was an Irish, like the family of an Irish immigrant. Okay. She became a nurse in the war okay. uh, in California. And it was just a big Navy community, in, basically okay. in the Bay Area. My dad was living in the Bay Area. My mom was living in the Bay Area. So they had that kind of feeling going when they met. And then they had little me. And then we moved up to Chico when I was just a little guy. So Chico was my home, like my entire, yeah. you know, like everything, all the differences, trying to understand who I was, was in the context of Chico, which is a yeah. weird dynamic in and of itself. Met up. All right. And yeah. little Dwight came along. You guys are in Chico Dwight now. Came. We're running yeah. track. We're on the sidelines. And so you being, you know, from a, a, a brother from New Orleans and then a, a mother, you know, Irish. Um, how did that mm -hmm. affect you growing up, especially here in Chico, where it's mainly farmland, cows, trees, you know, the country, you know, uh, as we would call it. <laughs> confusing. Yeah. Really confusing. Really, really confusing, right? Like, yeah. you know, you're trying to figure yourself out. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what it meant to not have like the same type of family as everybody else, right? It was just mm -hmm. me and my mom, yeah. let alone figuring out I'm not the same type of person ever. Like, what does that yeah. even mean? And then understanding right. black and white men in the yeah. context of this very Republican, like ag, old money, mm -hmm old tradition community that wants to parade itself as this liberal kind of bastion, you know, like yeah. it, 
to present itself that way because it was marketing to these mm -hmm. communities in the Bay Area, right? Like they yeah. wanted to attack that. But it, at its core, you know, its foundation absolutely is a confusing yeah. for you and I to be. Like it was definitely super confusing. I remember growing up, and, and this was on during like football season, even track season, because like I said, we continued to run track in high school, and we'll, we'll get to, to that later point. Uh, but I remember going, you know, I'm not, I'm sure people know the town Paradise now after the campfire, but going up to Paradise, which was about 20 minutes away from Chico, and that town had very minimal black people i mean it was to the point where literally where we got off the bus and like the whole school stops students didn't know like what to do like yo how do we interact with told these us guys to get off the bus. yeah we couldn't get and, off. like it was like just yeah. stay on the bus we'll yeah. come and let you guys know when your race is done and or race is ready yeah absolutely different was, night and day and so, told so from the administrators that that's like the paradise, you know, basically principals are like, no, like this is basically how it is. Like you guys are yeah. probably just stay in the bus. It's yeah, just stay amongst your team, in the middle of your team or on the bus. Like stay, like it, it, was, it was definitely crazy. So, and but now, like I said, going to high school, man, I mean, you were you were a popular kid. I mean, I did music. I performed at your mm -hmm. house parties, which were lit. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they were tight. <laughs> it was some good times. Uh, so you definitely were amongst, you know, the popular kids. Uh, but once again, very diverse. How did that, you know, shape you? Or, you know, how, how was that experience in high school uh, and then on your way out, you know, to college? How did that work out for you? I think that that was really important to shape who I became, like as especially like in college and how that yeah. because I was able to be like exposed, I guess, to so many types of people. Go ahead. Real pause real fast. And yeah. before, like I said, this when we were in high school too, like the parties were dope because this is when Chico, California was on the map, like literally yeah. on the list of party places, party places to go, Chico, California. Like that's the only way that people knew where this town was is because it was known for how hard they went into paint uh, every day of the week. So – once again, now back to how that experience growing up here right. with popularity. Well, and then you have that. You yeah. have like your friends, older brothers who are maybe yeah. in college when you were in high school that you at least got that exposure to. Or when you were younger, you kind of snuck out. So you you had yeah. that always flowing. And so we yeah. had a backbone. And I think I was always attracted to it. You know, like it just seemed cool. And yeah. I liked to drink. I liked to, to do other things. It was more I liked to throw the parties. Like yeah. that under I, I would obviously get drunk but it was throwing the party yeah. to me it just seemed cool yeah. but that was it like i i loved ha having three group i loved having friends that were like in the theater community or one you know or goss or like kind of in this group and jock friends and then you and i right like our group of people and all yeah. you know it just it, it really rounded how i definitely saw how i wanted to live my life like going on for sure yeah now I, especially you know in chico and you know i i have my specific group of friends you know i hung out with my boys my brothers my niggas uh and but like you i had a well diverse you know group of friends i could go anywhere hang out with anyone welcomed by all loved by many hated by a few because i like to talk trash but either way um I had fun as well, uh, yeah. but you know, being a mixed brother, uh, mm -hmm. but also Chico being so uh, minimal and and African Americans, did you yeah. feel a uh, any kind of um, 
difference in and because like i said you were well diverse you didn't hang out with one specific group you didn't kick it with me every day you were you know you were all over the place that's why your parties were so lit you know uh did you ever feel any kind of heat or pressure to to include the black uh, black people or or hang out with us more or party with us more or anything like that interesting question i think it was i saw it more as the the opposite of no matter where i stood because i was a person of mixed race and there was multiple identities that like i wasn't obviously my skin tone i'm not a you know no one's gonna see an irish man right when i walk no no one was seeing that person but also if i'm in a room of of just you and i and and everybody else man i'm not the darkest person in the room either and yeah, so nah, nah. cultural connotation of that too. And Yo, so yellow boy. Like, it's fucking weird. It's fucking yeah. weird. Just like the confusion part, right? Like just individual yeah. existing. And then there's the black community that's really small. And if you're not black enough, then you're not black enough. But yeah. you're black though. Like you're yeah. in. Are you, you black enough? You, you out here singing songs. It wasn't uh, like I felt like, oh, I have to include them. It was like, oh, like, oh, you know, like it, that's, I think the fire was more of like, Fuck being told I can only be a part of one or the other group. So like piss me yeah. off. I think more more that's how I felt about it. Oh. I was like fueled by it. Like I wanted to be a part of everything and it was upsetting that I felt like I was like being pulled in so many different directions. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh now on the opposite end, you know, fitting in with with white America. Now, was there any pressure on being in a room with them and carrying yourself in a way that doesn't negatively affect your black side? Absolutely, right? That That is a million dollar question and that has been a fine line that I've had to figure out high school, college, professional yeah. career. That's a really interesting dynamic. And I've always been around like, like my partners have always been white women, right? Like, of course, I'm going to be around their families. I'm that's in sports and where we grew up. California is like, you know, 70% of the people are going to be white that you're around. And it is a very weird dynamic of like, how much of yourself do you let out? You know, like, you can't say certain things in certain conversations. How aggressive about your beliefs do you get? And that's been Mm -hmm. an interesting dynamic and dance for me too. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely felt that uh, growing up, just having to carry yourself a certain way. Uh, mm-hmm. Through high school, I had a, you know, I, you know, I was, I was, I was a little too popular. Uh, freshman and sophomore year, that I had to go back to L.A. and figure some things out before I came back here, which definitely um, straightened me out a little bit and put me on on the path where, you know, where I am on today, which is thankful. But you know, carrying that pressure, having that, you know, pressure on your back, and like, dude, I can't be a, a you know. A, a class clown. I can't act up. Yeah. I can't be angry. Uh, I learned the value of 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 carrying yourself in a certain way that it's not going to hinder me in the future. Um, and and that was really just you know not not acting a fool, which is what I, I was doing. That's a great point. How you're carrying yourself and like mm-hmm. understanding what that's being received as. You're so right. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a huge part of it. Absolutely. And lucky for us, we didn't have all this social media. Uh, And we didn't. And do you think if we had social media then, especially with how fresh Chico was, we would have survived? No. I mean, not not in the way we would have adapted. Because that's the interesting thing. We would have probably figured it out. But in the form, no. I think I would have personally, I would have been done in all my sneakiness. 
all oh, the things that I got away with, somebody. Oh man, all no online. Way. Oh I man, <laughs> reels of me all day, <laughs> son. TikTok reels, like, dude, look what he did today. He's <laughs> what in what position now? Nah. Which leads me to uh, I always tell people because you're very successful, and I don't, I don't even think we even tapped into what you do for a living. But we'll just say. As you're seeing, you eating good. You eat you 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 eating you eating scrimps and and steaks. You know you you eating you doing very well. And and I strive to be like you, sir. Uh, inspiration for us all. But I always start before I say that, or after I say that, I tell people because it's you know it's true. You got kicked off the track team. Right, you were you were an angry ass black guy, black kid, and you got kicked off the track team. You cussed everybody out on the track. Picked up one of those metal trash cans, you know the ones that the R&B groups used to be singing in front of with the fire in those old yeah. <laughs> old videos. Picked one of those up, threw it across the field, stormed off, and was never on the track again. Which is hard to do because everyone makes the track team. It was like, no, you slow, whatever, man. Just we'll put you in the six heat. So, <laughs> how did you uh, how did you get through that situation? Because I mean, also you were one of the top top track athletes we went to state you're a brilliant athlete you went to go on and have a great coaching career at chico state and and butte and things like that and even run and have a nice collegiate career uh but you got kicked off the track team and and you know <laughs> being you know a young black guy in, in in chico uh you know wasn't a good look brother uh so how did yeah. you deal with that then yeah. uh and versus how you how you see yourself now how you do deal with things situations uh, certainly would <laughs> hope i never deal with anything like that again. i hope not yeah in that manner the ultimate explosion of how not to handle the situation and but at the same time that the part of my journey i was present yeah. i like self-destructed right like i yeah. did so ridiculous and then was given the opportunity like what do you do right do you let this just keep spiraling out of control you no. know grab hold of the reins and figure it out and then try to come back and i think that that gave me that opportunity but <sighs> i wouldn't like that again i will say in the moment i felt great i felt great doing it it felt i mean it it, it looked very liberating like you got <laughs> off whatever was you was feeling you yeah, got all like of it off that. your chest like you was you was everybody can get it everybody can get this and so no, no, i was mad that day i was we're gonna handle things like that. <laughs> you think we all knew you're mad and I, that that deals with self-care but you guys are gonna have to wait for that conversation after this next break because right. like most people uh they don't pay for their zoom uh so <laughs> we're on the limit right now uh but yes. we're gonna come back i'm gonna <laughs> see All if right. we can... yeah. so now once again now tell people uh, a little bit about what you're doing where you are right now in your life and career yeah so my i mean again you know athletics was a big part of my life and once i finished up coaching i went into business and i was able to find a lot of success being in sales in one way or another i started in uh, pharmaceutical sales after i had started a company for myself in energy and ran that for a few years i got pharmaceuticals and then i found technology so tech software sales and so i've been remote for the last seven years and i sell software which basically means 
the companies that I work for usually work with other businesses and there'll be something that it'll be like a communication tool. So, uh, uh, Slack or Microsoft Office, I'm the person that represents the companies talking to each other and I'm able to remote and it's been an absolute blessing. I mean, aside from being able to go into medicine or going into law, it's been pretty much the same level of, of career trajectory. Um, in earning, yeah. And it's been something that I wouldn't have been able to imagine walking across that field, throwing. Yeah, for real. Trash cans. Trash cans, yeah. Nah, to, to <laughs> doing big things, well. very humble once again. Yeah. And, and dude, I, I just admire you so much, man. Just love where you are. And, uh, yeah, nah, this dude is balling, y'all. He gets the money. He he, he got the dollar-dollar building. But he cheap, though, so it's all good. That's why he's always at, and he's smart with his money. Uh, he, he has not forgotten where he comes from. Let's just say that, all right? Uh, <laughs> I was over here counting pennies. Yeah. Dollars over here. I was like, where's that extra dollar? That yeah. You know, I need that change $3. Is Man, it, no, it adds up gas. Like, that's a whole that's half a gallon. <laughs> so it really is. So I mean, <laughs> so um, and I always tell people, man. Um, I tell people all the time. Well, most of my kids. Because they're the only one who stick around to listen to me long enough yeah. for me to say this. But, you know, it's not about the opportunities you get, but, but the ones that you take. And one, you took your skills and you took your know-how and you made a career out of it. How do you prioritize um, that that happy balance? You know, work um, and life. I've tried to set really healthy boundaries so that I can understand what I what drives me most in my career and what is going to make me really find happiness in my life. And that has meant family and adventuring. And for my professional career, it's meant, you know, being able to teach and being able to drive and do the things that I really like in the context of still having a corporate job. Yeah. And so the decisions that I make are, are definitely weighed really carefully on like, is this getting me to the next step on driving my happiness or making yeah. me feel fulfilled with what I'm doing with my life? And I, I hope that the decisions I make are, again, like super balanced and thoughtful. But again, yeah. they're based off of having like really clear boundaries of like, this is enough work or all right, I've had enough time playing. I need to get back to to yeah. get back so I can play like I need to work yeah. so I can play the way I want to play. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that deals with self-care things. How have you got closer to yourself? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, the first thing that just comes off the top of my head is is just, I think, adventuring, honestly, exploring, adventuring. I've had like a, a deep, deep love of traveling for for a long time. But when my grandmother was passing away, I was 15. And one of the last things that she said to me was to please travel, like to please go. That was her like, you know, dying wish, if you want to call it. And so from that point forward, actually, within a year, our mutual friend TJ, I think I was 14. When I was 15, I took my first trip by myself. It was an international trip to Jamaica to visit TJ. Nice. And that again, solo trip. And that was an adventure. TJ forgot what day I was showing up and was a day late. And so I show up to Negril, Jamaica at 15 years old with a wad of cash in my pocket <laughs> night with no TJ. So, <laughs> no TJ, man. That's yeah. my first. And I think it's like things like that, you know, like yeah. I 
I got addicted to traveling and that's how I figured me out. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, you can handle anything. You know, yes, mm -hmm. you can you can get your job, you can do your 10, but like, can you live life? Like, can you survive? Yeah. And I think that that's always really, really driven me. And so when I think about what makes me want to work, it's like, well, why? You know, I've seen all these yeah. different examples around the world of what life can look like and what working mm -hmm. looks like. And okay. what does it look like in New York and LA? And what does it look like in hippie communes? And what does it look like for people who live off the land in, yeah. you know, the middle of nowhere? And I've definitely learned that work is, is a means to me being happy and, and living a fulfilled yeah. life with my family, you and my yeah. people in my life. Like that's what brings me happiness. Yeah. And then if I have to work, I want it to make me feel good. Yeah. So, you know, like I want to yeah. feel good about it. And I feel so freaking blessed and fortunate that I, I've worked to put myself in a position to be able to like make what I make, right? Like yeah. to be able to do something that I'm feeling good about and, and I can make these decisions and be strategic. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense too. And uh, I have uh, found the love of traveling as well, man, uh, with your help. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been out there Put, checking things off the list. No, I've been trying, man. I've been trying to get like you, brother. And seeing different cultures and yeah. experience life in a different way is definitely eye-opening and can change life. I know when I was going through my whole find myself situation, you guys got to listen to some past podcasts to understand that journey. But it was, you know, doing things by myself and trying this out and trying that out and seeing if I like this and see if you like that. But within those little trips, you find out more about yourself and you start adding more to your identity. And for me, I was caught up in just, you know, the father thing, you know, I'm just a father, but I'm so much more. And there's so many other people out there that are welcoming and loving and caring that that can teach you things and help you grow. And so I think, you know, just going and, and doing things, whether it's outside the country, outside your, your, your city or within it, uh, you just got to try new things and new experiences and. You know, that's just meeting people and, and doing different things. I went on, I went to an improv class. Yeah, that's the stuff that I'm talking about. Putting yourself into a, a situation and you can use the word and, you know, uncomfortable. It's just doing something new and, and just taking a shot, a dance class, an improv class, going to, a, you know, I don't know, just a new location that you wouldn't normally be in trying to strike up a conversation with a stranger. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Because you can't do that these days. It's, it's 2022. How dare you speak to me in person? You got to DM me first. We got to be friends on TikTok or Instagram first, man. You got to get the blue check verification. His life, has, has money changed life? for you as a black man, sir, pretty much. Yes, it has changed life for me dramatically, exponentially in that I don't have to worry about money, like unless something catastrophic, right? Like really, really, really catastrophic. I do something real, I, you know, it has to be bad, but that has changed and that has changed my life dramatically. Now, what I struggle with is it's you feel like, okay, I've made it to this place and what's what's the next and you you want to make more and and then you're kind of in this new phase like and that's what it's uh, yeah almost keep making more you gotta keep making more it's a it's a very odd feeling and the most blessed place you can i mean gosh right like that's ridiculous you know huh. but um it's yeah i think that that's a new place and i wasn't expecting that and there's a feeling you think you're gonna get coming from how you and i grew up yeah uh, 
this place right here of like that, that you're at, you're at wealth, right? And you're at the precipice of really growing. And you think it's gonna like, you're gonna feel like, hell yeah, I got no cares yeah. at all. And life is still life, you know, yeah. like life's still life. I'm sitting here and I just had surgery yesterday, right? From stepping off of a curb the yeah. wrong way. Because you're old. You yeah. know, and like that's life. And as much yeah. as you can make it, it's you're you're humbled. And yeah. so that's another thing that I just maybe I wasn't thinking about of like, wow, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do, you need to be humbled. And and that's why I guess my decisions, right, are weighed by it tomorrow, today you can yeah. be humbled. Yeah. So, yes, I'm super fortunate and thankful to be here, but dang man, I get humbled a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. I'm glad you said that, man. I'm glad because people think the journey to the top and once you get there is like it's all easy breezy. And you know, I'm at I'm I feel, you know, I mean there's different levels. Like you said, there's different levels to this. Uh, and just like yourself, you know, I, I, I got to a different level, but I'm like, dang, I want more. And, you know, you get addicted to winning. There's a, there's a song by Jay Bliss called Addicted to Winning. Check it out on, on YouTube, you guys. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, you always want more, and there's never that. It, do, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't make you whole. It doesn't make you complete, you know. But it does give you the means to f keep finding ways to complete yourself and make yourself whole. So, uh, but... More money, more problems. Have you experienced more problems just as a black man along uh, amongst the black your black culture? Do pe are there are there more people asking for you got more cousins? Yeah, I think that there's definitely an expectation. I'll I'll flip this. I went out to dinner about five years ago with with Kamal Bell, who uh, has a TV show on CNN um, and and just this an author I really really appreciate. Yeah. So I was all excited and starstruck. I'd never been out with a celebrity before. Yeah. And the bill comes and I don't know, there's something in me. I was like, this guy's got to see that show. And like the thing came out and then he, and he was with his wife and his wife's like, yeah. you know, like elbowed him. He's like, oh yeah, the wallet shuffle. It's always funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out. And that, that, that feels kind of like, yeah. Like I, he, he definitely taught me something like, all right, I got some cousins, but no, it's, it's it's such a blessing dude like yeah. it, it's i'm so thankful to be in this position and be here like yeah. oh my god i i give the shirt off my back you know like it, there's some little times where you catch yourself like oh you're feeling one way nah man it's only made things made things easier for me nice. let's be honest yeah. i feel super super thankful I mean, I truly say you are my brother's keeper, my brother, you know what I mean? And you, you keep me humble and keep me in place, man. And one of the things that, that you have told me that has stuck with me uh, when I was going through my journey, myself, find, my, finding myself is, it's okay not to be okay. How do you deal with your everyday mental health and, and your journey of just staying humbled, uh, not getting too far ahead, but staying even killed? I mean, it's, it's easy when you catch yourself, like in terms of like, when I look and I'll sit and I'll look at myself in the role that I'm in and I'll look at an org chart and see people that are also African-American and what their roles are and like knowing what they're making. I mean, it's easy to sit and just know, damn, like I'm in a great position, Yeah. but in terms of the stresses, there's the other side of like that, that's fucked up. Excuse my language. It's fucked up. This is crazy that 
I have to have, I, I obviously had a lot of opportunities present themselves and I took them, yes. And I worked to get here, but that it's unique. Like that upsets me. That upsets me a lot, that, that, it, that it's still unique. Mm -hmm. and that people that I do, I have a sense of pride about it, but it shouldn't be, you yeah. know, our kids, I pray that Evelyn and Jacob, that it's just because they earned it, yeah. you know, it's not like people are like, damn, that is, that's amazing, you know, but I feel so proud, mm -hmm. absolutely. But yes, you get, you have that opportunity. And I think that that has driven me. And I, I have been fortunate that when I made it to corporate America and I was able to keep going up, I have been so lucky to be surrounded by leadership and management that saw someone with the drive and whether they just wanted to, to latch on to the good story or not, they, they saw someone that, okay, I can put my hat on this person because they're working their ass off. And so I had that too, of like, <clears throat> I had a lot of opportunities there where it, and it was supported more well. My little nugget stuck in my back pocket. It's okay not to be okay. If you have one other thing to tell these knuckleheads out here that they could put in their back pocket for later to help them gain success and happiness in life, what would it be? Hmm. I think there's no such thing as failure. And there's no such thing as making the wrong decision and that you can never be so deep or so far down a pathway or maybe a decision that you wish you would change that you can't put the time and the effort to getting to wherever you wanna get to. I think that this, this idea, this self-limiting belief has been taught to us socioeconomically. We can talk about black, it's not black. It can be white, it can be Asian, it can be Mexican, black. We as people who did not grow up with the finances to have this as generational wealth are taught that when you fuck up once, you fuck up forever. When you you're you know like that, or you make a mistake, you're that you you are you are that label that society gave you forever. That is absolutely untrue, and you are the beautiful soul, the genuine, incredible person you are inside. Ain't nobody can tell you who you are. And that is the self-limiting belief, I hope, and the nugget that I can give of like, it just takes a little bit of patience, the right amount of effort, and the faith in yourself, you, you can do anything you want. Dang, that's why you get paid the big bucks right there, man. Dang, is it Sunday? Man, you was preaching, brother. You was preaching it. Man, I appreciate you, man, stepping on the show with me today. Man, we literally uh, went from nothing to something else, as you have. And I like to get, once again, man, you're, you're you know, I'm, I'm proud of you, brother. Man, and I love you. Um, and once again, everyone, this is Dwight, my man. And I see. Heck yeah, brother. Thank you. Until next time, you guys.